friends. Welcome to Girls Like Sports, a podcast where we discuss topics like needlepoint, gardening. Just kidding. We talk about sports. I mean, not to disparage needlepoint or gardening. I just have fat fingers and I kill plants. So I talk about sports. Welcome to episode three of Girls Like Sports. Thanks for sticking with me, guys, and welcome to March Madness. So it's March, which means the NCAA tournament and March Madness brackets, guys. If you have not filled out your bracket yet, do it. Pick your favorite teams, pick the teams that sound familiar, pick the teams that you saw all of their games and you think they're awesome. Man, my coworker said he was going to pick the teams by the color of their jerseys. Go ahead and do that. Just pick some teams so you can have somebody to, to root for. I mean, there are going to be a lot of games coming up in the next couple weeks and you need to nail down who you're cheering for. And today I'm going to talk to you a little bit about my quote-unquote bracketology, how I make my picks for my NCAA tournament bracket. So, first of all, the NCAA tournament bracket is the field of 64 or, you know, 68, depending on if you think those first four games, play-in games, are part of the tournament or not. Most bracketology doesn't really take in those into account. So you can just wait until those games kind of shake themselves out and then figure out what you're going to do. But so it bracketology is kind of the science of choosing the teams that you think are going to win, predicting who's going to come out on top of the next couple weeks of madness basketball, um, NCAA men's basketball and women's basketball. We're going to talk a little bit about the women's tournament later, but the big one really is the men's tournament. And that's what everybody's talking about on ESPN, what everybody's talking about on CBS sports, Yahoo sports. Everybody is talking about the brackets and who's going to be the bracket busters. Who's going to be the Cinderella team and who ultimately is going to come out on top of this year's NCAA tournament. So first of all, when I make my picks, I sit down with the whole bracket in front of me. I, I check it all out and I pick the first, the number one seeds first off, because historically number one seeds have always beat number 16 seeds. However, last year we did have a number one seed fall to a number 16 seed for the first time. It was the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, a.k.a. UMBC, beat Virginia. And it wasn't even close. It was 74 to 54. I remember watching that just shocked because, I mean, outside of UMBC players even, I mean, maybe even their fans, but nobody would have picked that. And that was a huge bracket buster for the year. And it was kind of fun to see, but it was also kind of a punch in the gut knowing I definitely did not pick that as an upset. Uh, but Virginia is a number one seed again this year, but I'm betting that they're going to learn from that and they'll probably move on to the second round, if not 
a little bit further, hopefully kind of carrying that on their backs with them, probably some sort of memento of the game from last year hanging up on a bulletin board uh, in their uh, locker room before the game, just to remind them, hey, we got to show up for every game. We can't overlook our first game. So I I pick all of the number one seeds because chances are pretty good that those number one seeds are going to beat the 16s. And then I start looking up other people's brackets. I look and see what analysts on ESPN, CBS Sports, Barstool, Yahoo. I see kind of what other people who have watched a lot more basketball games than I have are saying. And I kind of start to get a feel of... Um, who is a for sure, who is a maybe, I get 10 or 15 other opinions. I spend quite a while and I'll, I just put a little notch next to, uh, who those people think is going to win in just the first round, um, those first couple matchups and put a couple notches next to those and, uh, see what they think. And then I kind of start looking around and seeing who, people think the Cinderella's are. So the Cinderella is probably exactly who you think it is. It's the one who the surprising team to make it to the big dance, the surprising team to make it a little bit further than you would have expected um, in the big dance. So the teams that maybe got there because they won their conference tournament. So if you win your conference tournament, you get an automatic bid in, into the NCAA tournament. So a lot of these smaller schools came and got in because they did win their conference tournament. And some of them could make a run. Some of them could be a really great team. And maybe they just don't play in a great conference and haven't had a ton of competition. And then they get here and they're a great matchup for those higher seeds. So I look at what other people are saying they think some of these Cinderella teams are because I'm really not watching a lot of these, uh, a lot of these conferences that aren't on national television that often. And so I start seeing who people think the Cinderellas are and I put a little heart next to those just so I can identify them as I'm picking the winners for the first round and maybe even the second round maybe even the Sweet 16. So I see what other people are picking. And then I start to look at what the strength of schedules are. Who did they play? Uh, This is kind of once I've decided, okay, you know, seven people think this team, eight people think this team. I'm not quite sure which to go with. Uh, So I start to look at their strength of schedule and who they played, how impressive You know, they only lost four games, but who all did they beat and how much did they beat them by? Who did they lose to in those four games? When was it? Did they lose their first games at the very beginning of the season? And now they've, you know, won 15 straight to end the season off. Did they, were they missing players? Were players injured during those four games? Um, Are players injured now? Are they missing players now? Where were they ranked preseason? Actually, history does not favor those who weren't ranked preseason or at the beginning of the season, but now are, you know, in the top 20. History just doesn't really favor those. So I take that into account and I use my little tally marks and my hearts to decide who I think is going to advance to the next round. Um, 
And then I highlight who I've picked as my upsets. So I like to have one or two upsets in each region just because there's always going to be a couple. There's always going to be a lower seed team beating a higher seed team. That's just the fun of the NCAA tournament. And the the five, the 12 seed over the five seed is always kind of a popular one. And so I look at my 12s and fives and maybe push one or two of those. Um, and then I just analyze the games that I don't feel like were super clear cut. So I'll look and see, um, I'll match those two teams up against each other. Okay, I wasn't quite sure. They were still kind of head to head once I looked at all of the other analytics. And so now let's try and kind of compare them. Did they play any similar teams? Did they play any teams that were in the same conference? Uh, kind of take a look at those and take a look at the wins and losses, bigs and wins and losses for those. And then it gets hard because I take a long, hard look at my team, my conference, my rival team, and my rival conference. So my heart is always going to tell me that my team is going to win more games than it probably will. And my heart's always going to tell me that my conference is going to play better and win more games because it's my conference. It's my team, who my team's playing. Of course, they're playing the toughest opponents. But history does not... <laughs> does not agree with me and my team does not always make it to the final four and my conference a lot of the time bows out early and so I kind of take that into account and ooh, maybe swallow my pride a little bit and uh, it's just so tough to say that your team's gonna lose I was telling my husband uh, yesterday or the day before, I was just like, I don't know who our teams could possibly lose to in the first, second, Sweet 16, Elite 8. I don't know. I don't know who they could possibly lose to. And he said, trick question. There's no one they could lose to. But that's what's going to get me in trouble is because I'm going to have them sitting in the final four and they're going to, you know, lose before then. And I'm just going to look like I have egg on my face. But then my rival team, I think that, you know, my in-state rival, I think they're probably going to lose in the first round. But I have to really look at it with a more critical eye and not let their name sway me. And the other teams in their conference, of course, I think they're not as good as the teams in my conference, but I can't let that sway me. So I kind of do a little extra analyzation of those uh, those couple things. First round upsets this year. I'm I'll I mean if you guys want to I can post my whole bracket um, but I'll tell you I'll be telling you guys on Twitter and everything how I'm doing, how my bracket's doing because of course everyone cares <laughs> but uh, just for the maybe three or four of you who do care, uh, don't don't people always say that like, I don't care about your bracket, and I don't care about your fantasy football team. Except for everyone cares about their own fantasy football team and their own bracket. But So here are a couple of my upsets, my first round upsets, just to kind of get you guys an idea of the upsets that I picked. So I picked UCF over VCU 
it's just a nine over an eight. Not a huge upset. A lot of the eight nine matchups are 50 50 um, in history. So that's not a huge upset. Um, I've actually been to UCF's arena, and so I may have kind of a bias towards them. Uh, but a lot of the people that I wish I was looking at were saying, you know, that that they were a really great team and that they could make a run for it. And so I chose UCF over VCU. Uh, I chose the winner of the Belmont Temple game, which is actually at the time of this recording happening right now, and it's a really tight game. Um, but once this podcast comes out, you'll know whether Belmont or Temple won. But I picked them over Maryland, and that's an 11 seed over a 6 seed. And then I picked Murray State over Marquette, which is a 12 over a 5. That's what I was kind of telling you, always looking at those 5-12 matchups to see uh, where I could find an upset there. And then I have UC Irvine over Kansas State, so a 13 over a 4. And this was the one where I kind of had to you know, swallow my pride because Kansas State is in my conference and uh, has beat my team. (laughs) And so I had to kind of look at that and decide what I thought was going to happen there. But the Big 12 doesn't always fare very well in the NCAA tournament as well as I think that they should. And so I picked that as an upset. Who knows? I could be awesome. Kansas State could make it to the Final Four. Who knows? And then I picked Utah State over Washington, which is a 9 over an 8 again. Not a huge thing. I have Duke winning it all. I just think that Zion Williamson is such a dynamic player, and there's so much hype over that Duke team and over him as a player that could make huge changes uh, in a game that I just don't see them losing. I I went through and I just could not figure out who they would possibly lose to with Shaq Jr. on the floor. Um, I just think Zion Williamson is a great player and I'm excited to see him play in the tournament. I'm glad he chose to play in the tournament. He was injured, uh, busted out of his shoe in a game earlier in the season, but came back for the tournament for the and is back for the NCAA tournament. So he's all good and he is all ready. So that is my bracketology. Uh, not really giving away too many secrets, but just kind of giving you an idea of how I pick my teams. And hopefully this gives you a little bit of motivation and a little guidance on how to pick some of your teams with a little bit of knowledge. This week's Girls with Balls goes to the UConn women's basketball team. So, kind of a little history of why, a little history of why I chose this team. So the women's bracket was leaked, the women's NCAA basketball bracket was leaked early in the day by ESPN by accident uh, before their scheduled show. So they were going to have a scheduled show where they were going to give out, you know, the entire bracket, just like they, just like, um, CBS does with the men's. And 
they were going to go through and talk about all of the teams and, you know, have live feed of the teams getting excited for to see their seeds and everything like that. But ESPN accidentally leaked it uh, earlier in the day in a graphic next to uh, some other stuff that they just didn't mean to put up. They decided to just own up to their mistake and say, here it is. The brackets are out. Do with it what you want. Um, so the surprise to me was not so much that they leaked it early. I mean, who cares? But UConn was not a number one seed, which was wild to me when I, I just assumed that they would. They they won the national championship from 2013 to 2016. They have 11 total titles. They have 19 Final Four appearances. Their record this year is 31-2. and two. The, They've only lost two times, and it was to Baylor, the overall one seed, the overall number one for the entire season, Baylor. And then Louisville, who ended up also being a number one seed, were their only two losses this year. Um, the The last time that they weren't a number one seed in the tournament was 2006. Again, they have a 31-2 record. Louisville is also in their region as a number one. So, so UConn is a number two. So they could eventually meet up with Louisville. And Louisville did beat them earlier in the season. But Louisville is 29-3 and three on the regular season. Um, but they beat UConn 78-69 to earlier. Um, I mean... UConn won their conference convincingly, 66-45 over UCF. Um, Baylor was their only other loss besides Louisville. They ended the regular season ranked second. And you would think that number one, number two, number three, and number four would all be number one seeds. But that's not how it went down, apparently. So the ACC does have two teams to be overall number ones in the women's, Louisville and Notre Dame. So maybe they didn't want to make a third, but the men didn't care about that. The men had no issue making three ACC teams number one, Duke, Virginia, and North Carolina. So I think that it wouldn't have been that big of a deal um, to also put another ACC team in. But I guess I wasn't there. I wasn't there deciding who was going to be an overall one seed. I read a couple things from some of the players and the coach that were just kind of like, huh, that's weird. But we're going to go out there and, you know, prove that we should have gotten that number one seed. And honestly, I think it's an impressive team with an impressive history. I think they should have been a number one seed. Uh, and I, I'm going to predict that this is going to be a light. This is going to light a fire. Uh, under the UConn women, and I think that they're going to win their 12th title this year. I just think a little bit of adversity is good for a team. A little bit of, you know, us against the world is going to be good for this team, and I think it's going to be kind of a the jolt that they need to take this tournament really seriously and to buckle down and win every game. So I am predicting a win from the UConn women's basketball team. And honestly, that's why they're my girls with balls.
This week in sports history. So March 14th, 1972, a little girl named Mia Hamm was born. So Mia Hamm is a pro soccer player. She was a forward for the U.S. national team from 1987 to 2004. She did win the NCAA championship four times with the North Carolina Tar Heels, so every year that she was there. She also won the World Cup with the U.S. national team twice, 1991 and 1999, and then won the Olympics twice, 1996 and 2004. So, happy birthday, Mia. I think you're awesome. You are a sports history legend, men or women, it doesn't matter. You're a sports history legend, you're a soccer legend, and you're a girl that a lot of girls look up to and want to be just like on the soccer field. And also props to the U.S. national women's team. Um, I heard today that now they will now be getting the same bonuses for the World Cup as the men. And they make the World Cup a lot more often than the, than the men. And they win the World Cup infinitely more than the men. So go U.S. National Women's Soccer Team. All right, and finally, the sports lesson for this week. So this has come up a couple times with a couple different people asking me about this since it's the end of basketball season. How many quarters are in basketball? Who plays quarters? Who plays halves? How does that all work out? Well, high school boys and girls varsity play four eight-minute quarters. College women play four ten-minute quarters. That changed back in 2015 from the two 20-minute halves. They now play four ten-minute quarters. The NBA has four 12-minute quarters. The WNBA has four 10-minute quarters. And men's college basketball plays two 20-minute halves. Just to be different. That's weird. But I guess you do you. Two 20-minute halves. Honestly, I can see that changing in the next five years to four 10-minute quarters. I just think that it's about time. Everyone else has done it. Uh, and I think that it would make the game better. It would improve it. So that is this week's sports lesson. Quarters, halves in basketball. Now you know. Thanks for listening girls like sports this week go out and fill out your bracket go enjoy march madness